Hello everyone, welcome back to Reactive Attachments. My name is Taylor and I will be hosting the podcast today. I want to start by just recognizing um, something that you may have seen us mention today on social media or you may have just seen it yourself in the news. Um, There's a really tragic story going on. Uh, I think it's out of Maryland. Let me pull up my news article here. Um, Anyway, it kind of piggybacks off of the previous um, post. It's very, very sad, very devastating, very tragic story. And I'm going to read you guys the story so that if you haven't heard it or heard about it, you do understand kind of what I'm referencing and what's going on. And then you'll have as much information as we ourselves have. So... This is out of Anne Arundel County in Maryland. Um, Let's see. Okay, this was actually sent to me by um, one of my moderators from the group who knows that we're always kind of talking about um, the content of the story. Okay, so. Um, A mother and a grandmother are both in custody in Anne Arundel County accused in the death of a nine-month-old baby boy, Nair Taylor. Um, The investigation began on July 27th at around 9.28 a.m. when the Anne Arundel County Police and Fire Department responded to the 7900 block of Chesapeake Drive in Orchard Beach for a nine-month-old boy in medical distress. The uh, 17-year-old mother and the grandmother were both accused in his um, medical um, distress. Nair, the baby, was taken to Baltimore Washington Medical Center but was pronounced dead at 10.19 a.m. Family members told police that the infant had been wheezing while breathing but was put to bed um, anyway at 2 a.m. The 17-year-old mother and the grandmother, uh, who were sleeping with the infant, found the baby unresponsive at around 9.15 a.m. and they called 911. An autopsy did find that fentanyl and morphine um, were in the infant's blood, liver, and stomach contents. Further testing confirmed that he had also ingested heroin and fentanyl. Because of this, the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner ruled the infant's death a homicide. During a search of the home on August 14th, detectives found empty capsules with trace powdery substances in every room of the house. Over 100 gel caps were recovered from the floor, the infant's diaper bag, and other areas within the home. The capsules from the mother's bedroom tested positive for both heroin and fentanyl. Detectives learned that the grandmother of the infant, 43-year-old Lori Ann Taylor, drove her two daughters and her grandson to Baltimore to buy heroin on July 26th and then bought four heroin capsules to share with them, the two daughters. Taylor said uh, when they returned home, one heroin gel capsule uh, was missing. The three of them had looked for the gel cap. Um, but it was never found, according to police. Taylor then drove her 17-year-old daughter, Alexis Lorraine Taylor, back to Baltimore to buy more heroin. When they got home at around 1 a.m., they noticed the infant's breathing was odd, but Lori Taylor told police that she questioned whether or not Nair had ingested the heroin capsule. However, after discussing the medical care for the baby with her daughter, Alexis, they decided to, quote-unquote, take a wait-and-see approach. Within hours, they did find Nair unresponsive. After months of investigation, Alexis and Lori Taylor were arrested at their home on Thursday. 
police said the way Nair died was very uncommon. It's very uncommon to have an infant exposed in this fashion, dying as a result of exposure to these substances. Um, Alexis Taylor is charged with first-degree child abuse resulting in, in death, second-degree child abuse, manslaughter, and reckless endangerment. Lori Taylor, the, ma the grandmother of Nair, was charged with the same charges in the homicide of baby Nair, but was also charged with two counts of reckless endangerment regarding her own minor child, the mother of Nair, Alexis. Police say, though, arrests have been made, and this is still an active investigation. It is very sad, it's unfortunate that this has had to happen um, to somebody so young. Also, it was discovered um, that Alexis, Nair's mother, um, is pregnant again. So with all of that being said, um, this is a remarkably tragic, absolutely devastating story. So when I made the post and the podcast and I was talking about my feelings um, when it comes to drug addiction and parent involvement, I feel like what better time to discuss that again and clear up some of the confusion regarding the podcast and my opinion on, on the topic. Um, this is a situation that is so incredibly severe. This is the kind of situation that does require and should demand immediate intervention from services, um, police, whoever, whoever. You have a nine-month-old baby most likely crawling around, um, picking things up, putting it in its mouth. You have, sounds like three adults in the home, not adults, three humans in the home, all of which are addicted to heroin um, and fentanyl. They're disposing improperly of trace amounts in all these capsules. Um, you know, it's very likely, it is very likely that this would have occurred regardless. It's also very likely that that capsule was found, that hasn't been found, maybe in the car somewhere. And the baby literally could have dropped a pacifier on the floor in the diaper bag. Fentanyl is so deadly that it doesn't take much at all. I mean, the smallest grains of salt worth of fentanyl are fatal in many instances. And we're talking about a nine month old here. So, it could have been that capsule. I can't see the baby living, um, ingesting it and living that long from that amount. Like, I feel like the baby would have passed on much sooner in the, in the timeline. Um, but it is, in fact, I mean, it's more than tragic. I mean, this is the, the condition that they say they find the home in where there's, you know, um, hundreds of capsules in the diaper bag in the bedroom they've got addicted grandma and mom co-sleeping with this baby the i'm sure it was horrifying i'm sure it's beyond anything you can imagine the conditions that these children um have be become addicts and exposed to heroin and fentanyl um, i would assume this is all assumption there's no um nothing to validate this but i would i could only imagine that there's prostitution happening I can only imagine that these children um, have had quite, you know, a life themselves. And somebody knew, knew the kind of home, the condition, the, the scenario that the, not just the grandchild is being raised in, but that these girls were raised in or that they were living in. Somebody knew and did nothing. They, they didn't. Um, put up any kind of fight or objection and, and force services to be involved. My heart is broken for Nair's family. Um, 
and really for the girls, like the life that they have had to live, I'm sure is, is beyond a hell that we, we as at the average person would never understand or could never even imagine. I'm sure. Um, it is truly tragic. It's very, very sad. Um, and when I was saying the other day, like, okay, even, even if the addiction is extreme and, you know, we're talking about heroin and crack and cocaine and all these things, like the parents still needs to be involved. And I stand behind that statement. So what would be ideal to me if I made all the rules in a scenario like this would have been, um, services would have never allowed Nair to be, uh, in the home, like from birth nine months ago, I'm sure this was the exact same scenario. I I don't imagine that this has just developed in the last few months. So nine months ago when he was born, probably addicted to, um, opioids or opiates. I will, I will imagine that that, that will come out later, um, in the investigation and once trial begins maybe, but I assume that Nair was born addicted to opioids. I assume that um, maybe prenatal was either not given correctly, um, like she didn't seek correct prenatal, or if she did, then services should have been made aware. She should have been on a case plan of some kind. And then they should have given her, as a minor especially, um, immediate residential in-home you know, child care uh, in conjunction, child care services, so teaching her how to raise a child in conjunction with isolated inpatient um, drug rehabilitation while pregnant and after birth. That should have been like hands down exactly what had ha- what happened. Once the state was made aware of the condition that this young mom was in as far as her addiction goes, the state should have intervened immediately and then also never allowed um, the child Alexis or Nair back in that home. They should have helped her find a place, a halfway house, a program for young mothers, um, maybe out of state. I don't know. But until the mom, AKA the grandma, I think her name is Jenny Ann, right? Um, till she was sober and providing a home or living in a home herself that was free and clear of substances and, um, you know, safe for visitation. Maybe they could come and visit her. I feel as though, um, there are, there's a list of things that we could say would have been better, would have been more appropriate than whatever the hell happened over there. I don't know about the sister. It does mention that she is also addicted to opioids and she was part of the, you know, um, the, the double trip to go and pick up these capsules. So one's mind can wander and only assume. However, what we do know for sure, for certain, without any shadow of a doubt, is that this is not um, a victimless drug addiction. This has resulted in the death of a baby. Now, so moving forward, okay, none of those things that should have happened happened, right? So we can't, we can't speak in, you know, rewinding the clock and shoulda, coulda, wouldas. What we can question at this point and say, what in the actual hell is going on is when you have a missing capsule of dope, you have a baby breathing oddly, um, 
so he's in respiratory or just respiratory distress and, and failure from the fentanyl overdose. And we decide 17 year old decides she doesn't want to intervene according to the, the mom or the grandma. Um, so they, she follows suit like as an addict, we have access to, or we have knowledge of Narcan. We like, there wasn't any life saving or, um, intervention methods from what I see so far, they didn't try to handle it at home. Like, oh, let's call someone and get some Narcan. They didn't try to uh, call 911. They didn't try to assess um, the situation with any level of care or concern for Nair's life. I mean, these people are not ignorant of what's going on. I'm sure they themselves have lost friends and, and know people that have overdosed, many people that have overdosed on fentanyl. There's no way they don't. Um, so they know what the complications of a fentanyl overdose look like and they're very swift very rapid and they do um mostly end in death especially when you're talking about a baby who's been exposed to this this you know the the grim reaper of drugs like this is appalling that there was not any level of you know they had enough sense of urgency to go to back to try to um recoup or get more dope they did in fact do that that's why they were home so late. And then they go to bed um, and they determine that they didn't need to seek medical care for the baby. And they wake up and he's, you know, that's the end of it for him. But they didn't feel compelled to call 911. Now, <clears throat> what <laughs> it, it is horrifying. These are not the kinds of situations where I'm saying the children shouldn't be taken from the home. These are 100% the types of situations where the child should have never even been allowed in that home. Um, I would have preferred foster care. Does this create reactive attachment disorder? 100%. Did that child probably already have it? It's very likely. Um, the new child that she's pregnant with, they don't make any mention of the fathers or paternal um, grandparents or anything. I don't know if they know who the dad to these children are. It doesn't say anything about it. Um, and I've chosen just to avoid the loss of my own sanity, not to really dig in like I normally would to this story and read the social media posts and try to figure out who's who and, you know, get all overly invested in it. But what I'll say is this, <clears throat> these are the kinds of situations where dramatic, um, swift and extreme measures for safety must be taken and those measures will most likely result if not complied with by the mom in an attachment disorder but um this is also not an okay environment for a child to live in or be cared for in um we're not talking about um a more mild version of addiction where there's a functionality that requires service and immediate service but um, where the, the dangers are very low or minimal. We're talking about extreme danger when there's not even a sober person in the scenario. There's not a, um, a, a clear level of um, reality that is, is completely... There is a clear level of reality that is just has been completely dismantled and dismissed by the main adult, which is going to be the, the grandmother of Nair, um, she obviously is using and, um, seeking and doing all of the other things that go along with drug addiction. So she's bringing them on illegal, um, pickup runs. She's consuming with them, consuming with the baby in the house. They're just, 
you know, I mean, it's a fucking mess. So I feel like, um, the possibilities here are endless as far as what kind of trauma the children, the, you know, first generation of her children have experienced. And then of course, Nair, it doesn't make mention of any other grandchildren. Um, but that's not to say that sister doesn't have a child in the home as well. I don't know. I am just appalled that nobody um, was called to intervene. I just can't imagine a scenario where no other human beings that, that had any wherewithal or sense um, were, they just, there was no one else aware of the severity and the extreme nature of events going on within that household. I can't figure out any possibility where that would be believable. Um, you know, I just, I can't, I can't in my mind rationalize that. So I am beyond sorry for that family, for the dad. If the dad is aware of his, that he has a son, I'm sorry to his family. I'm sorry to Nair for whatever neglect and abandonment and suffrage he endured before he passed. I will say as far as I know, um, and I feel like I'm pretty qualified, that one of the best ways to pass, most peaceful ways to pass would be um, in this manner because it's, it's just like uh, you go to sleep and you never wake up. So at least he didn't suffer in that, in that way, I guess. Um, but regardless, this is immeasurably, immeasurably sad immeasurably unacceptable um I'm really shook about it I just can't imagine being addicted to this drug knowing exactly what kind of repercussions are associated with it not even abuse but just accidental exposure if you don't have a tolerance to it you know there is I mean, it's not of question. It is a very rapid, very clear, and very common um, experience for addicts to lose their friends, their, their, their drug dealers, or their um, family members, you know, their partners. They see people dropping and dying, and they're administering Narcan in the streets in these cities all the time. So I don't believe, I can't find... Um, any scenario where I believe that these people were ignorant of the possibility. I don't know if, you know, anybody listening and I know there's a various, um, there's varied experiences that tune into this podcast and contact me and engage with me on social media. Um, you know, all, all they run the gamut, you know? So I don't know if anyone listening, um, has ever been addicted um, to any substances, especially opioids or opiates, you know, they really do change the way our brains function. I'm not making excuses here at all. Um, I, you know, I, I probably shouldn't even say this right now, but I, but I have to um, be cognizant of the opportunity to enlighten people. So with that being said, like, Addiction changes the neuron pathways in our brain. It changes the way our reward centers work and communicate. It changes, um, you know, the reality that we live in and how we as humans function and feel. 
how we process things. It changes a lot of the mechanisms that humans use to make decisions and rationalize and um, connect and bond and, you know, emotionally operate. And when you start to change these data centers, if you will, um, you know, with addiction, you know, the, the, the physical makeup of how you operate, the genetic dispositions, all of these things go, go into a big pot of, um, negative outcomes. You know, they all contribute to negative outcomes and the reality, truthfully, the reality that they experience is different from the reality you and I experience. Um, reaction times, reactions, all of those things are, are impaired. And so I do want to make it clear that I believe, and I stand behind this no matter what the scenario may be, as disgusted as I am, as terribly sad as this devastating story is, I do stand behind and I do still say that this is evidence that we are not choosing addiction. And that may sound counterintuitive or feel counterintuitive to a lot of people, but what I'm trying to establish here is that if we can assume that these are normal, healthy people before they become addicted, that they are not, um, there's no cognitive you know, dysfunction here. We're not dealing with people who are on any kind of spectrum of um, you know, cognitive um, delay or cognitive failures. The average human being of whatever intellect, of whatever socioeconomic situation, whatever demographic, the average human being does not choose to have children and get addicted to heroin with them. They do not choose to lay in the bed with their grand, their, their dead grandson, who's nine months old, um, who just consumed fentanyl off the floor of your car or your house. They do not actively want these things to occur. Nobody does. Nobody sets out and is, is happy with or okay with even um, these scenarios. Before the addiction, I'm sure this woman would have said, I would never, I can't imagine the kind of human it takes to do fentanyl and heroin and do drugs with your children. Like, I'm sure there was a point in her life where she thought that was disgusting and offensive. But addiction of this kind is not real, it's not, it's not rational, it doesn't live in the same space that we live in as regular, even not sober, but just regular people. Um, they're so very driven by the brain, the same thing that drives us every day to go get up and go to work and pay our bills. And, um, it, it is, it has malfunctioned. So maybe there was a choice in the beginning to try a drug or to, um, go to a place where drugs are being used and you're curious or whatever. And you make that, you know, you take that first step and your life is forever changed, but it, it isn't a, an active choice. Like the idea that these are the monsters um, of the shadows of society, and they occasionally have a light shown upon them. You know, um, when horrible things happen, and that's how we know, you know, that they're out there. 
it's inaccurate. Evolution or whatever you believe. We were designed to protect our children, to keep them out of harm's way. I mean, it is not even a choice for most women. It is a literal instinct to protect their children. And then abandonment, cyclical, generational abandonment, neglect, and drug addiction combined, it, it makes a mess. It makes a mess in what is historically calculated, anthropologically calculated to help us be at the top of the food chain and survive. And, you know, um, yeah, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but it, it, it is really devastating. I mean, this whole thing is a mess. The whole fentanyl epidemic is, it's beyond anything I've ever read about, ever experienced, ever um, seen. And I've been around for quite a few waves of scary drug interaction, scary drug, um, you know, an influx of a certain kind of drug, an influx of a certain kind of overdose. This is beyond anything I had ever heard. I mean, it's beyond the quaalude time frame where people were just like dying left and right. It's beyond, um, you know, ha you know, the influx of heroin at different time frames, and, you know, the amount of people that died during those eras. It is so far gone. It is so out of control. It is immeasurably scary. Like, I, I mean, there's not words that really can contain the fear or contain, um, you know, the, t the populace of, of people and the, the segments that they typically would come out of. I mean, it crosses all boundaries, all borders, all senses of n normalcy. Like, everything goes out the fucking window when it comes to fentanyl. Everything. So, I'm going to take a break, rein myself in here for a minute, and then I'll be back to talk about a couple things and uh, hopefully, you know, change the subject as much as I can. And, um, you know, again, I just want to say that reactive attachments, which is myself and my wife, we do offer our condolences to the families, to any family that's been affected, lost a child, lost a parent, lost a friend because of an opiate or an opioid addiction. I will um, give some information at the end of this podcast that if you're struggling with addiction that you can seek help if you have a child that you are aware of in a in a bad situation because of addiction um i'll give you you know i'll try to find some resources and and put them at the end of this podcast um and hopefully we help somebody today all right you guys i will um be back after a quick little break i don't normally take breaks but today i definitely need one